passages, the cure. And the Bible says this, Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and Jesus healed him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I just love reading that. I'd read that every day of my life. And Jesus healed him. And Jesus healed him. And Jesus healed him. And I'm glad he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, because he's still in the healing business. And he healed him so that he spoke and he saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, here's the main part, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Father God, in the name of Jesus today, we ask for the kingdom of God to come on us. Father God, that your kingdom would come upon us today, so much so that we would never be the same again the rest of our lives, Lord God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray it. All God's people said, amen. And we know that we're in a campaign this year called REACH. It stands for Raising Eternal and Community Hope. Raising Eternal and Community Hope is what we're, what we're destined to do this year. And we're defined by this verse in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13b. And it says, we will boast or celebrate and glory in only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even you. And so we know that God in that verse has given churches, given ministries, assigned areas to reach certain people. And we know what God has told us to do at TWBC this year. Number one is a goal for all of us. I believe there's a goal that every one of us has this year, and it's to personally lead one person to the Lord Jesus Christ this year. Not you bring him to church and a pastor does it. No, you personally step out by faith in a, in a grocery store parking lot at a gas station while you're pumping gas listen the holy spirit is not limited to this building can i get an amen and you have the opportunity to lead somebody to the lord jesus christ it won't only change their life forever it'll change your life forever as well and so we want everybody to lead one person to the lord jesus christ this year so be praying about who you're going to lead to christ also we're called to do this we're called to ignite nations we're called to impact a four-state area and we must and we will influence a 20-mile radius within the campus of this TWBC building right here. And influence means this. It means we change the culture of the surrounding area in a 20-mile radius. So much so that we become a Matthew 5.14 city that the Bible says this. You are the light of the world and a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Amen. We are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And I love this because it doesn't say a church on a hill. It says a city. So if we're going to be the church, we got to change a city. So much that the city changes, the culture changes, that it's literally known as the light of the world, elevated to a standard that, it, that, that everybody looks to it. So the job of the church is huge. It's more than just winning lost people to Christ. It's transforming the culture of your city to such an extent that the people look at it and says, this is the light of the world. Come on now. That's an awesome commission from God. And he doesn't give a commission if he doesn't give the power to fulfill it. Amen. So don't be overwhelmed by the size of the task. Begin to celebrate at the amount of power he's given you to fulfill the task. 
And I'm so excited about us doing that this year in the 20-mile radius that we're doing. And to do it, we got to power on. And if we're going to ignite nations, impact a four-state area, and influence culture within a 20-mile radius, we're going to have to use a power greater, a greater power source than the world offers. It's got to be the culture of heaven. And this power source must be used to change culture from a culture controlled by evil to a culture controlled by heaven. And we want to see our city controlled by the culture of heaven, not the culture of politics, not the culture of government, not the culture of greed, not the culture of selfishness, not the culture of me first, the world later, not a corporate ladder standing. We want to see our city controlled by the culture of heaven, so much so that we're the most generous city in the nation. Amen. Come on now. What does that look like for our city to have so much and be so generous that we're blessing the surrounding communities around us? Come on now. Now, I'm I'm not talking about something that is too far-fetched for us to do. We just got to believe that it's possible. Because when we can believe that it's possible, God says, now that you believe that I can do it, I can give you the power to do it in. And if it's going to be done, it's not going to be done just by God. It's going to be done by God through his people. That's how God works. He works through his people, the church, the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage you that you have a part to play in this awesome thing that God is doing. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. And it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Everybody say divine power. To destroy strongholds. And we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about castles. And we talked about tearing down strongholds. And we talked about not letting the strongholds of our life control us any longer. And God set tons of people free last week. Just when I knocked some blocks over, tons of people at that moment, I've gotten reports that says, at that moment I realized I was decorating my issues Rather than letting God transform who I really was. And so in this transformation that God is doing and we're storming castles and tearing them down. The last point I mentioned last week is you have got to know who you are. I said you've got to know your kingdom. And you've got to know what the kingdom of heaven offers. So I said read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over and over again. Because I want you to see what Jesus did over and over and over and over again. And watch what you're supposed to do over and over and over and over again. And so... We said we got to know our kingdom, we've got to know our promises, and we've got to know who we are. We've got to know who we are. And I said this, the biggest castle that the enemy tries to build is to get you to believe that you are less than all that God said you are. The biggest lie, the biggest uh, castle that the enemy tries to build in the life of any believer is he tries to put lie-based thinking in that we surround it and we build truths on it or we build false truths on it and we build speculations on it. We build lofty opinions on it and we begin to build these castles around it and the enemy begins, begins to let us decorate the, 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 the lie that we are less than all that God said we are. And we have got to begin to expose those lies that we are not less than all God said we are, but we will fulfill all that God said we are. And so in that, that's what we're going to jump into today. We're going to begin to fulfill all that God said we are, because we are the cure. And I want to read this 
and it's a Bible, uh, it's a Bible verse. It's Proverbs 17, 22, and it says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries to the bone. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries to the bone. And I love that verse, but I hear us quote that verse so many times, and it becomes a cliche verse when somebody's depressed. We always say, oh, well, you know a merry heart does good like a medicine. No, they don't know it, because if they did, they wouldn't be depressed. Right? And so we're trying to, we're trying to force feed something into them without having a castle torn down first. And we wonder why the scripture is bouncing off the castle walls because they've harbored a lie in their heart. But if a merry heart does do good, like a medicine, which it does, it's got to become more than a cliche verse. It's got to become more than a verse that we use on somebody who is depressed or oppressed or having a bad day. It's got to become the fullness of what all that verse has encompassed it to mean. And so in the case, if this case, if we're settling for what this verse says and we've always known it, we're selling it short of the potential of the power that God has put in this verse. What this verse literally means, a merry heart does good like a medicine. The condition of your heart is the cure to the darkness around you. If a merry heart does good like a medicine... And a broken spirit dries to the bone, or a broken heart dries to the bone. The condition of your heart is the cure for the darkness around you. Maybe this is why Jesus spent so much time talking about the condition of your heart. When you go to a doctor's office, and, and, and I, know, I know this from experience, because when I was a kid growing up, I was in the ER like every six months. My, my parents always said for a while, until they understood power of words... You're an accident waiting to happen, right? I mean, because if something was going to happen, I was either crazy enough to do it, and I would get hurt in the process, or if it was going to happen, it was going to happen to me. And so about every six months, I was in the ER for some crazy reason, a broken leg or whatever it may be. And I realized, and still today, when you go into a doctor's office, you don't just get to go into a doctor's office. They hand you a stack of papers, and you got to begin to answer pages of questions on every single page and put your signature at the bottom. They want to know who you are. Spiritually in your life, if I were to give you a stack of papers, would you even know who you are as a believer? Would you be able to go down this checklist and says, yep, that's me, 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 that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me? Because if I said you're an overcomer, you're more than a conqueror, you're blessed when you come in, you're blessed when you go out, no weapon formed against you can prosper, and you had to start checking off those things that you knew that you were you, not just knew, had knowledge, but had experienced in your life. That no weapon formed against me can prosper. I know it because I know what the Bible says. But can I check it because is it me? See, there's a difference between what the Bible says about you and what you have experientially known in your life. And a lot of us, if we had to go down this paper and check off what we experientially know in our life because we've experienced God in that area, I want to know if you know who you really are in the body of Christ. Because... In this life that we live, the Bible says this, the weapons of our warfare, 
And it says, we don't wage war according to the flesh. And so he's talking about warfare here. If I'm going to war, I don't want somebody leading me into war that sat behind a desk and been a paper pusher all his life. I want somebody who's gone through Navy SEAL training. Come on now. I want somebody who's had some experience on the field. I want somebody who, who, who hasn't just been there and says, I've studied the paper. I've done the paperwork. I want somebody who knows what they're doing when they get on the field of battle. And, and, and listen, some of you, this is going to irk your religious spirit. People always say, well, when you go to a doctor, well, is he born again and is he saved? I just want to know if he's good. Listen, I can pray for myself. I've got experience in prayer and watching God answering prayer. God, can, I, I, I've experienced that. I want to know that the doctor is experiencing what he's about to start cutting on. Right? Just because he slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night doesn't qualify. Come on now. <laughs> doesn't qualify him. And so what we've got to begin to understand is, do you know, and if we're going into this warfare and we've got divine power, uh, I know you know about it because you've read it, but have you really experienced it? So when you go into battle, you know what you're doing. See, you can read all about how to shoot a gun, but when I hand you a gun, it's a different story. Come on. And if you just read all about how to shoot a gun and somebody hands you a gun, make sure I'm not in the room. I don't want to be around you. We've got to begin to know who we are. And when I mean know, I mean go through an experience in life. I mean, me and my wife were just up here praying during worship a little bit ago. And I prayed this prayer. I said, thank you, God, for your strength. Because the week we just went through, we realized looking back a year ago, we couldn't have went through this week without... A, but, but we've seen how we've experientially grown in strength to handle the t today's task with the anointing of the Father that we didn't have a year ago. And I love to see, I don't love the stuff that we had to go through. Don't get me wrong, I don't love it. I, I can't stand going through stuff. But when you go through it, it's nice to look back on it and say, whoo, we made it. Come on now. We made it. Because he's good. And you've seen yourself grow experientially in the strength of God. And so as we begin to jump in this, do you know, it says a merry heart does good like a medicine. And if the condition of our heart is now the cure for the darkness around you. Listen, the church should have the greatest hope and the greatest joy and the greatest love of anyone on this planet. When you walk into a church... I mean, literally, any church across the board. It doesn't even have to be any church in America. I'm talking any place that calls yourself a church founded on Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and his resurrection, and the power of God coming to us and walking in the fullness of God's power. If you go to any church that says they believe that, it should be the most happy, hope-filled, loving place on the planet. It should be that. Because we're God's people. The tr facts of the matter are, though, it's not always like that. So as the church, when you begin to know who you are experientially, it is completely possible to not be ignorant of the darkness around us and also live as the cure and the antidote in the midst of it. 
Listen, it is completely possible in this life to not be ignorant of all the darkness that's going on around us. All the issues that plague us. All the people who are sick. All the people who are fighting cancer. All the people who are going through something. All the people who have been in accidents. It is completely possible to not be ignorant of all that, but still not let that have an effect of the promise on the inside of us and be the actual opposite. We are the cure to the darkness that we are not ignorant of that is around us. It is completely possible to do that. And being completely possible in doing that, we must begin to understand that if we don't know who we are, we're not going to be the cure to the darkness around us. And the cure in our life is, the Bible says this, a merry heart does good like medicine. So the condition of your heart is the cure to the problems or the darkness around you. How does this work? When somebody is going through something, it doesn't matter what that something is, you're not supposed to go in and agree with the problem. You're supposed to go in and agree with the kingdom. And the kingdom is going to stand in opposition to the problem. And then the kingdom becomes the cure to the problem. Through you. A merry heart does good like medicine. And that means more than you just having a good day. Right? It means a joy-filled, overflowing, spirit-filled heart does good like medicine. Listen, if I'm ever sick and I rebuke it because I'm not going to be. But if it ever happens, don't call me and tell me how sorry you are that I'm sick. I do not want your agreement with my sickness. I want you to call me and say, Pastor, this is what the Bible says about the thing that you're experiencing right now. And the good thing is, heaven and earth will pass away before God's word passes away. So God's word is more true than your physical sickness that you're struggling with. So I'm believing the word over your sickness. We must begin to realize that if there is ever a cure to the darkness that is impeding on the church, it's going to come from within the hearts of the believers that gather together on a weekly basis or a daily basis or whenever you get together. We are the cure to the darkness that is around us. And so you have to know who you are. You've got to know about yourself. You also get asked this question when you go into a doctor's office. How do you feel? Right? Well, how do you feel? Obviously bad or I wouldn't be here. Right? And, and, and I bless all you people in the nursing industry. You have to put up with some messed up people with bad attitudes. I, I mean, I, I, man, I just bless you in Jesus' name. I hope I never got to see you at your profession. Amen. But I bless you in Jesus' name. But you always get this question asked to you, how do you feel? Listen, it is completely possible to live in the reality of his kingdom no matter what happens around us, we speak the cure that is in us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
It is completely possible. And notice I got possible in all caps. You're going to see that a couple more times throughout this message. It is completely possible because with God, all things are possible to live in the reality of his kingdom. Now, this is the problem where most believers fall short. We live in what the world, and we think the reality is this world, but when the truth of the matter is once you got born again, your reality became his kingdom and the word, your reality isn't the world. What you're living in is the world, but your reality is the kingdom of God and the word of God. When I became born again, my new reality was this. I am born again. The old man is dead. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The reality or the the, the world I'm living in says just the opposite. But my reality is, hey, if I'm born again, my reality is I am a new creation. I'm a brand new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And listen, don't sell that scripture short and just think it's talking spiritually. Some of you have missed out on some physical manifestations of the kingdom of God in your life because you think that's only talking about a spiritual rebirth. It says this. It says um, you are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. It doesn't say just the old spirit is gone. It says the old is gone. And the new has come. And when Jesus came and died on the cross, it wasn't for a spiritual redemption. It was for complete redemption. Now, you, when you were born again, your spirit was born again instantaneously, and it connected with the Father. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions is constantly being renewed day by day, the Bible says. And there's a day coming when we'll have a glorified body. Thank you, Jesus. I'll be 6'2". Come on now. Thank you, God. In heaven, I guess it really doesn't matter, amen. (laughs) But don't sell yourself short. It is completely possible to live in the reality of the kingdom that you were born again into. And no matter what happens around us, we speak the cure that is within us, a merry heart does good like a medicine, that happens through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Your reality cannot be based in your circumstances. If you let the reality of your life be based in the circumstances of the world, no wonder you're not a happy person. Right? Listen, y'all all all know when you had young babies, there are times when they would get sick. And they would be up three days in a row. And you would get no sleep. And if you let yourself live in the reality of that, part of you would say, is this kid even worth it? (laughs) Come on now. Nobody has ever thought that. But praise God, you didn't live in the reality of that circumstance of your kid being sick and you not sleeping for three days. You lived in the reality of, I love this child so much that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this child healthy. And I'm going to live in that reality, not in this reality. Do you understand that God lives in that same reality? When you are lost and broken and full of sin, he didn't look at your circumstance and say, the reality is Joel's lost and there's nothing I can do. He said, the reality is I'm God and I'll have to send myself to this earth to rescue him out. I'm living in my reality to bring him out of this. I'm not living in his reality. 
See, he brought to this earth his reality of the kingdom, and it was called Jesus. And we open up the scripture today, and it says Jesus saw a man who was blind and mute, and he healed him, and so he could see and speak again. Do, do, do we understand this? So he didn't let the, re, the, the reality of that man's circumstances, the realness of that man's circumstances, impede the kingdom of God on the circumstance. He looked at the circumstance and says, but I love him. And I love him so much that I can't leave him blind and I can't leave him not speaking. He's got a word on the inside of him. And I'm going to touch him and I'm going to make him well. And I don't care who it makes mad. Right? Because right after that, everybody was, all the Pharisees were mad at him. Said, he's the devil. Right? It's amazing how when you get, start doing God's work, you're called the devil. I mean, it just, just blows my mind. And so he looked at his circumstances, but he lived in the reality of the kingdom and the reality of the kingdom overtook the life of his circumstances, and he could see and speak. The kingdom of heaven came upon him. It's got to be the same in our life as a church, as believers. We look at the circumstances surrounding our city. If we're going to change our city, we've got to look at the circumstances of our city. Because if we don't look at the circumstances of our city, how are we going to know what part of the kingdom of God to put on it? Right? Right? So I'm not saying ignore the circumstances. I'm saying very well you need to understand the circumstances. But you live in the reality of I am a child of the God most high. He gave his son Jesus Christ for my life. And he bled on a cross. And it says by his stripes I was healed and made whole. Amen. And so I cannot let my circumstances dictate my new reality, but I must move over here into my new reality so much so that it begins to overtake my physical circumstances. Because within you is a merry heart. And it does good like a medicine for those around you. When you feel sick, now I want you to catch that word. When you feel sick, when you feel hurt, offended, and worried, those feelings no longer dictate how you live. But you show where you get to bring the kingdom of God. Now listen, when you have a feeling about something, I know Derek preached a message a couple weeks back about bitterness, hurts, and offenses. When you feel hurt and offended, your feelings are not reality. Do we understand that? Your feelings are not reality, they're circumstances. Your reality is the kingdom that must now overtake the circumstance. I mean, me and my wife, we, we got a bunch of TV shows that we love to watch. One of our favorite ones right now is Designated Survivor. Do I got any Designated Survivor people in the house? And that show is so real to life. I mean, crazy real to life. Man, there are times when I'm watching that show, after I turn it off, I'm like, is that real? or Right? It's the same thing when, when some of you ladies watch all these romantic movies and you're bawling at the end. It's like, oh, I just love it. I'm like, how you love it? You're bawling. Right? I.e. perfect movie, The Notebook. Oh, see, here we go. Everybody, oh. You automatically, just, just the word, The Notebook, you automatically got caught up in that feeling. Right? You're in the feeling. You're in the moment. It's like, oh, The Notebook. Right? 
For the guys, you watch these crazy race car TV movies. I love them also. There's a new one coming out in April, amen. (laughs) And when I get out of the movie theater, it's a good thing I drive a Jeep and they don't go fast and you can't turn really sharp in it. Because if you could, I would be living in the circumstances of that movie. And you know when you get on 75, when you leave I Pick Theater and it's open road, you know, I'm, I'm just, never mind. Do you understand? Your feelings are not reality many times. But with your feelings in proper check, you show where the kingdom of God needs to come in. There's a reason God gave you feelings. It's not to make your life miserable. But if you'll control your feelings, not let your feelings control you, you'll be able to see when somebody else is hurting, you'll be hurting. And with that feeling of hurt, you now recognize not, oh my goodness, I'm hurting for somebody. You recognize there's a hurt and you say, where does the kingdom of God need to come in and do a healing? See, your feelings are not there to to, to terrorize your life. Your feelings are there to raise an awareness that the kingdom of God's got to come in and do a work in somebody's life. But if you live in the circumstances of your feelings, of the hurts and of the offenses and everything else, you're going to start building castles again that you cannot uh, escape from until you expose that lie. So when you begin to see that your feelings in a certain area, you need to put them in check and say, why am I feeling hurt, offended, sick, whatever it is, or Somebody around me is hurt, offended, or sick, or whatever it is, whatever you're feeling at the moment. But realize that feeling is not reality for you. Your reality is based in the Word of God. And with your reality being based in the Word of God, now you bring the kingdom of God in this new reality over to your circumstances and watch the kingdom of God come upon them. Mm, Come on now. The same thing when your kids are disobedient. You let the kingdom of God come on them because I know you're feeling angry right had a great opportunity I'll skip on that glad times running short we've got to begin to understand when the truth becomes your reality your feelings will become a tool to show you where the kingdom of God needs to come in power on something When you drive around the city and you see houses in shambles and kids running around with bare feet because they can't afford shoes, your feelings and your emotions get tugged on. It's not for you to feel bad for them. It's for you to let the kingdom of God overtake your life and overtake their circumstances and say, God, what can we in your kingdom do about this in our city? Your feelings are not bad. They're there for a purpose in your life. And then finally, when you know who you are and you know how you feel, what do you do in the waiting room is the question. What do you do in the waiting room? In this lifetime, many of, in this lifetime that we exist, many of us treat it like a waiting room. We're waiting for the day when we get to go home and be with the Lord, right? We're just waiting here. We're waiting, many of us think like this, we're waiting for Jesus to come back or for me to go home, whichever happens first. And we're treating this life like a waiting room. And if this life is a waiting room, I'm going to ask, what are you doing while you're waiting in the waiting room? What are you doing in the midst of your waiting room? Spiritually speaking, what are you doing in this life right now? What are you doing to make a difference where you're at? It is completely possible. Everybody say possible. In this world, 
to be fully aware of the devil's schemes, tactics, and devices without becoming overly devil conscious. Right? See, I see, I see believers on two sides of the spectrum. They're either overly devil conscious or they're ignoring the whole thing altogether. We just live in happy, happy land. Everything's good. Right? Ignore it. It'll go away. No, it won't. You're just not going to have an effect on it. Okay? If you ignore it, it will not go away. The only thing that's going to happen is you will not have an effect on the kingdom of darkness. On the other hand, we've got people who are overly devil conscious over here. Where when you pray, you're talking more to the devil than you are to God. Devil, I rebuke you. Devil, get out of here. Devil this, devil that. Devil, 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 devil. Who are you talking to? Last I was taught, or, or no, or even read in the Bible, Jesus said, Our Father, who art in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Has he even addressed the devil yet? Right? And I see so many people. And, and this is what gets me. Devil, I serve you notice. Why are you serving him notice? It, it, what, what are you serving notice to the devil for? Number one, he's already been defeated. Number two, if he really is the devil, why are you giving him time to get out of your life? Just get him out. I mean, really. I'm serving you notice. You got three days to get out of my life. What? Are you kidding me? Absolutely ridiculous. If he is the devil and you know he's the devil, kick him out. It is completely possible to live in this world and be fully aware of all the schemes of the devil without becoming overly devil conscious and think everything's going to darkness. Everything's going wrong. Everything's falling apart. It's completely possible to live in the kingdom of God. And I want to read this scripture to you. Isaiah 60, verse 2. It says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, a thick darkness over all the people. And most people stop right there. These are the devil conscious people. Well, you know, Pastor, it says, Darkness is going to cover all the earth. And they stop on verse 2, part A, not realizing part B says this. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And all the nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the, right, the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They gather together, they come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughter shall be carried on their hips. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart will, shall thrill and exalt, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of nations will come to you. Now, I got a hard time understanding how out of all that I just read, you dwell on darkness shall cover all the earth. Really? When it says you're going to rise to a place of radiance? Come on now. And you're worried about darkness coming on the earth? If I'm going to rise to a place of radiance, I'm saying come on darkness because that means my radiance is coming quicker. 
And my rising is coming quicker. And the church's rising is coming quicker. And the church's power is coming quicker. And this also says your sons are going to come back. And your daughters that are running are going to come back. And they're going to be carried on their hips. And you will see and be radiant. And you shall, and your heart, listen, your heart, your heart shall thrill and exult. Or it will be like a merry heart that's good medicine. Maybe this is why we run into this problem. We got so many believers saying negative things. Because Paul said this in Romans 12, verse 6. He says, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your faith is that the world's going to be covered in great darkness, of course all you're going to speak is great darkness. Oh, you've heard of the famines. Oh, you've heard of the droughts. Oh, you've heard of the wars. Oh, you've heard of the great outbreaks of diseases. Oh, you've heard of this. Oh, you've heard of that. Oh, I have heard of all of it. But I'm prophesying according to my faith. My faith isn't in the darkness. My faith is in the rising of the church. My faith is in the rising of God's people. My faith is in a place where when I see the great darkness and I notice the great darkness, I know what I'm doing in my waiting room till I get there. I'm going to bring the kingdom of God to this place of darkness and watch the kingdom of God come upon it. And this morning, I want to ask you a question. How's your heart? How's your heart?